Hello and welcome to Top Class, the OECD podcast where we discuss the latest news, research and events happening in the world of education. I'm your host, Duncan Crawford, and today we're focusing on how to best educate young children in the digital age. So mainly talking about the two to six-year-old age group here. In a world of tablets, smartphones and AI, how exposed should young children be to new technologies? What needs to be done to protect them and ensure they are safe? And how can educators and carers ensure that very young kids have early positive experiences? I'm joined by the OECD's very own Carlos Gonzalez Sancho, a policy analyst who's part of the OECD's Early Childhood Education and Care team. Thank you for joining me, Carlos. My pleasure, Duncan. Now, the OECD recently released a report called Empowering Young Children in the Digital Age, which you were heavily involved in. Uh, We're going to get into a lot of the detail in a moment, but that report made clear that there needs to be a step change in the way crashes, nurseries and kindergartens and so on, approach the use of technology in those settings. Could you outline broadly the major messages for us from that report? Sure. Basically, we've got three three key messages to share. The first is that young children, and we're talking mainly about children zero to six, they must be better protected in digital environments. There are a lot of concerns about the potential negative impacts of technology on young children, including, for instance, physical and social-emotional harms, threats to privacy, etc. And we see that countries are actually taking steps to promote safe and responsible use of digital technologies in early childhood education and care, rather than restrictive approaches such as blanket bans. So rather than banning technology from these settings, they're taking steps to, to do things better, let's say. And that's, we think, very good news. We see, however, that there are a lot of conflicting and incomplete guidelines for professionals, and that's, that's problematic. Second one is that digital divides need to be tackled from an early age. We're talking about access to technology, but also divides in terms of skills. And countries could be doing a lot more because if we don't take action, these digital divides will increase. And the third message is that early childhood professionals and quality assurance systems are really key to have a comprehensive policy approach to this. We're talking about training professionals using technology to facilitate engagement with families and other issues such as making the most of of the data that exists to improve quality assurance. So there's obviously a lot of stuff we can get into. Uh, I will delve into a lot of what you just mentioned in a moment. But first, I'd like to ask you a question which I think goes to the heart of the issues we're going to be discussing, which parents certainly and educators may very well ask, which is, should young children even be exposed to digital technology, two, three, four-year-olds? Should they be exposed? And what does the latest research say? Yeah, certainly a very important question and a a very legitimate concern by many parents. It is hard, in fact, for children to not be exposed through either, you know, siblings, peers, uh, in family environments, etc. So given that this is happening, some exposure, how can we best manage it, right? So on, on screen time, which I think, you know, epitomizes a lot of these concerns, you know, how long should children be exposed? Our stance in this report, and this is following, again, the research, but also what some countries are beginning to do, is to try to move the debate from a sole focus on time to a focus on quality of digital engagement, digital practices. What does this mean? 
it's about whether children are accessing age-appropriate content, uh, content that is also educational, that has opportunities for interaction rather than just passive use of technology, whether children are using digital tools uh, in the presence of responsive and responsible adults who are guiding them, who are supporting them, uh, helping them with conversations, questions, etc. So these are all aspects of the quality of engagement. So it's, uh, it's not only about time. Having said that, it is important to remind ourselves that indeed time limits can be important, especially for the very youngest, zero to three. There are well-documented impacts on things like sleep, but the research out there is still a, a bit inconclusive on, on impact. So is there a definitive answer here? I suspect there isn't from what you're saying. If there's a parent listening, for example, to this, wondering their one, two or three-year-old, for example, if they should be allowed to, to look at a screen for, for a certain period of time, it, it, is there an answer like, oh, 30 minutes a day is okay, an hour is okay, whatever the answer is, or, or is there no definitive answer? I think there's no definitive answer. Um, I think one analogy I like is that uh, how do you best prepare children also to prevent, for instance, physical risks, you know, physical activities, uh, outdoors activities, etc. The best way you could reduce risk, for instance, is by let you know say children don't do any of that. Uh, okay, you would probably reduce risk of any negative impact, injuries, things like that. But is that preparing children well for the future? Well, the answer is no. And I think the analogy with the digital holds here in that children need experience with these tools, uh, with these technologies, because it's something they're going to encounter later in life. And the idea here is, well, they should be they should be safe spaces for discovering these tools, these technologies, experimenting, you know, with with safeguards and again, guided by adults so that later on in life, they are well equipped to do these things uh, themselves. Have any studies been done on the potential impact of looking at screens in terms of eye health, muscle coordination and so on for children of a young age? There are studies out there indeed. And I think the key message we take from this research is that the impact is very much mediated by contextual factors. To give an example, uh, half an hour of accessing a content that is not age appropriate for a kid and that is done alone with no kind of contextualization, but again, guiding adult or, or uh, older children, et cetera, can be more harmful than more time, two hours in which this is done in company, is part of a larger activity of sequence of activities. There will be some explanation, back and forth conversation. It's combined with, uh, with, with other activities, et cetera. So again, not just a matter of time. On, on sleep, as I mentioned earlier, there is, there is more research saying, you know, you shouldn't do this right before bedtime, for instance. There is clearly a neurological basis for the impact of blue light on your um, sleep, uh, etc. It's harder for the brain to slow down. So there are some basic guidelines that I think are getting uh, out there. People know more and more. But I think it goes a lot with moderation. You know, when people ask us, you know, how long? And they say, well, if your child is playing violin six hours a day, uh, physically can be quite harmful playing an instrument for six hours a day. Reading, if you read um, six hours a day, well, that can have an impact on, on your eyesight, on your vision as well. So all activities in moderation are combined with physical exercise. And again, not done just 
by yourself, but in the company of others are with some guidance. So I think the same applies to, to technology tools. If the direction of travel is for nurseries and crashes and so on to incorporate digital technology more and more in those environments, I imagine there would be some parents, for example, who don't have a TV in the house even, for example, who spend all their time trying to prevent their kids from having access to screens, that they might be upset by this direction of travel. And in that case, how should early childcare professionals handle that kind of situation? This report doesn't say, you know, there's only one way to respond to these. We have to be mindful and respectful of people's uh, positions on this issue. So to people who are reluctant, it has to be, again, respected. But I think the discussion we need to have is about exposing what the potential benefits could be for early childhood education and care systems to incorporate to some extent or to address technologies. One is to better protect children. You know, children need to be better protected. Children need to be prepared. They need to have a, a, an emerging, a, a very basic sense of what the risks are. So gaining some awareness of these is not something that all families or other environments are prepared to do well for children. So this is one. The second is, again, exposing children that there is potentially a, a very rich variety of uses of technology, many of which can be educational, they can learn to do new things with tools rather than just, say, watching videos for um, amusement or the leisure time, which is totally fine. But, you know, there are a lot more things you can do. You can create with these tools. You can use them to, you know, do very basic programming. But basically, you can learn that, you know, technology will, if you have the right skills, will serve you as a tool to do other things as well. So it's a means. Uh, you can access a lot of content that um, may expand opportunities for learning, for development, for young children to collaborate with others, to socialize and to play. Of course, digital play is a big part of children's play universe these days. And um, so the fact that early education systems address this is addressing, I think, a reality and we can do it uh, safely in a control and safe way. Let's break down a bit of what you mentioned there, which is interesting. You're talking about the benefits and the risks. Let's go with the benefits, first of all. The early years of a child's life are a period of rich brain development. Is there evidence that integrating digital technologies into early childhood education and care settings, that it has a value for learning and development? There is no hard evidence yet. What we are saying, however, is that if you don't do it, there's a huge risk that problems might, might arise. And another point I think I would make is it can be integrated at many different levels. It doesn't necessarily have to be in activities with children, but early childhood education and care professionals like educators at other levels of education could be using technology for other things, to collaborate among themselves, to better monitor and assess children's uh, development, to free some time for you know admin tasks and do what they do they can do best which is then spend time with children interacting with children etc so the integration of technologies in these settings can be at many levels you've mentioned risks a few times now uh, but we haven't really elaborated i think in detail what those risks are so could you could you do that for the audience yes 
there are many different types and the OECD has been working on that. There's a typology of risk because many of these are, are new. Many are uh, shared or same, same type of risk we see in the non-digital world. So on the one hand, on the digital risk, you have things like, um, again, accessing content that is inappropriate. Children get have long exposure and supervised exposure to screens. That could be another one for, for the reasons we discussed earlier on. And I would say privacy is a big one. Children, by using, by using digital tools, there's a data trail. There is some record of their activity. Uh, some types of data are collected, and children very rarely have an awareness of this happening. So all these things are important, but another risk is uh, that you don't do this well. So you bring digital technologies into early childhood settings, and this is instead of helping to have good interactions between children, between children and staff, etc. Digital technologies are actually disrupting or distracting people from what you should be doing. So that's the other risk that it doesn't contribute to the quality of early childhood education and care experiences. And it's more of a distraction. And that's an important risk as well, a different type. So what can people who work in creches and kindergartens do to try to mitigate some of the risks you just described? First thing I think is to seek um, guidance and training. Early years professionals need support and they need the appropriate training. First, to understand, to put uh, technology use in the context of the basic principles of you know, child development and well-being. So okay, I know what works well for children, so how can I use technology in that direction to support these efforts? So that's the first point, right? Getting an understanding of that. Second is developing an understanding of the risks. Many of these things are new. Not all the professionals had the opportunity to develop some knowledge and experience on these things when they were trained. So that, that's important. And then the importance that this is not done at the individual level. It's not just one person in one setting, one professional, one educator, trying to cover all the issues, trying to make all the innovations. This has to be done typically with a coordinated approach. It could be at the, at the setting level. So you've got five or six people working together, doing consistent practices so that children you know, get to see the same thing. So it is a collective enterprise as well. And there's a role for the leaders of the settings and of course for policymakers, people working on curriculum design etc cetera, etc cetera. so it has to be a consistent and coordinated approach when you're talking about the need for a coordinated approach you mentioned privacy before as well so is policy in this area being coordinated with regulators for example getting involved there are interesting developments in this area uh, this is a concern that goes well beyond what happens to young children privacy this, this holds for uh, all of us when we're using uh, technology. And what we're seeing is that many countries are uh, passing uh, regulations uh, that address what we know as uh, digital service providers to request from them or force them to apply some principles of, for instance, privacy protection, privacy by default, privacy by design. So you shouldn't need to opt in for privacy protection. This is something that should come by default from the start. And this applies particularly to children because children don't have the agency or the knowledge to sometimes apply these controls by themselves. So by default, all children should be protected. We're talking about minimizing the amount of data that is collected, making sure this is not shared with third parties without proper authorization, et cetera, et cetera. So 
a lot can be done, and these concerns not just people in early education settings, these technology providers, so the providers of content and services. And let's remind ourselves, these are very common general purpose technologies that are not only used in education settings, but it's the same technologies you and I are using to record this podcast and we use on an everyday basis for a lot of things. So the tools are not designed specifically for use in an early education setting or in a school, but the regulations have to apply specifically when they're used in, in this context. And are they at the moment being used correctly, in your opinion, in this context? Or is there not that default privacy setting for the software, the apps, whatever's being used by young children? I would say not generally, not yet. Some countries have a very interesting legislation recently introduced in the last two, three years on this. Whenever a service or, a, say, a platform, an app is accessed or used by a young child, a minor, this is when typically this legislation will uh, will come in place and will apply. So I think the important next step is that, for instance, any time early education settings or uh, schools, kindergartens, etc., purchase technology or subscribe to any digital service, etc., they begin to ask questions about, all right, what are the protections in place? What are the safeguards? Uh, how can we do it best? But this, we cannot put all the responsibility on the settings and the professionals themselves. A lot of this has to come through regulation. We are also seeing is that many kindergartens already have policies such as we don't share photos with maybe sometimes the faces of the kids unless there's authorization from the parents. We're taking uh, steps not to share sensitive information, making sure this doesn't go beyond the school or, or the community. People are getting more and more concerned and aware about the, the risks and also starting to, to take action in this direction. So action is happening in that direction, but particularly for young children, the content, the apps, the devices, like you say, they need to be safe. And at the moment, are the apps and content which is being created intended for young children to use, is that content and are those apps being vetted or certified by educational bodies or regulators, for example, to ensure they're safe? Sadly, not yet, not in a consistent and systematic uh, manner. Um, we have seen statistics recently, the number, for instance, of downloads of apps that are labeled as you know, educational use, it's in the billions, in the order of billions per trimester you know, every year on the most popular platforms. And there are studies who have examined some of those, you know, top 10 downloads on these platforms and check for the security features, uh, privacy protection. And sadly, what the research shows is that so far, a lot of these services and apps are not yet ready or presenting services and protecting children the way we would want them to do. So a lot has to be done in this direction. We should ask for more from providers. We should have higher standards for things that are meant to be used by young children. And we should, little by little also, yes, begin to curate, tag content, depending on what quality assessment criteria, you know, how good is this, has this been tested before, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a complex undertaking. It's going to take time. But I think we should be moving in that direction, indeed, that we're able, people are inundated. It's very hard to know what is the good content, good apps, and we should be helping people 
to make selections here and to know what can be used with, with greater guarantees. I think some people listening to what you just said there would find it extremely worrying to hear the huge sums of money which can be made from these digital technologies. It's obviously a huge marketplace where it looks like it's going to expand. But there appears to be this lack of regulatory or government or educational oversight at a high level to ensure the quality of the apps, the safety of the apps. So what specifically do you think countries, governments should be doing to engage with this issue, to mitigate all the risk you've outlined? Indeed, it's it's worrying and I think important steps can be taken. One would be, again, to strengthen the training, the professional development for early childhood education and care staff at all levels. So again, let's prepare our professionals. They're the you know the first line of defense and, and the first resource we have to protect children. Issuing guidelines for parents and families is also very important, and this is being done more and more. And stricter regulation on this will, I think, will happen. Another one is some countries are developing resources themselves or having repositories of resources, allowing also professionals to develop the content themselves, to share good content, etc. So making available content and services to some extent that can be used more safely in these settings. You mentioned the importance of staff having the training to know how to deal with these different situations, but also to assess the quality of technologies and so on and how children interact with it. But I imagine there are huge differences in the quality and types of digital resources available in different nurseries and creches around the world. And not only that, you're going to have some staff who are opposed to even using these new technologies. So how do you deal with that situation? I think what it's happening nowadays in most countries is that we don't yet have a systematic approach to this. The quality of the use of technology and the digital practices we see in early childhood education and care settings varies a lot. And it's largely dependent on the skills, the motivations and the interests of these uh, professionals some of whom uh, may have had more training more recently or because of their own personal interests have explored different options, etc. But others have not. That's why you have this wide disparity in the quality of, of the practices. The guidance is, again, yet not very consistent. Should this be used? And then how, for what purposes, etc. So we need to get more clear messages across the board. That would be one, to reduce, again, the disparity in uses. And the second thing is also children, they see digital tools outside of educational settings, in their family environments, uh, free time, etc. So a lot of them will learn how to use these tools, will learn to be cautious, will learn to make responsible use of them, but others will not have these opportunities to learn about these things in their home environments, for instance. So that's why there's an opportunity to level the playing field in exposing all children to at least basic principles for responsible and safe use, but also for creative use of technology. This can be done. But yes, as of today, a lot of disparity in quality, and that's what we need to address. This report makes that argument that uh, you cannot leave these to its own development, it's better to have, again, a consistent policy approach. So to what extent 
will children's opportunities in the future depend on their preparedness for dealing with the digital world? We cannot see into the future, but certainly we can, uh, I think, expect that the ability to manage technology will be very important. And when I say manage, is to use technology in ways that are complementary with other types of skills that can be used in professional settings, but also for your own leisure, for your own personal growth, I mean, in support of all that. It's important that you see the opportunities that digital technologies bring, but that also you are aware of, yeah, risks that you may encounter later on. So it is important that all children have notions of that. I'm not going to say is the only thing children should learn. In fact, there's a lot more that young children need to learn. And just digital technology will be part of their worlds, their lives in the years to come. So it's about preparedness to know how to respond to risks and opportunities. We're not saying, again, all children should pursue professions, you know, in digital intensive occupations or anything like that. But it's, again, knowing what can be done with it, how to protect yourself when the risks are present, and how to make it a tool to pursue your own, your own interests. Thank you so much, Carlos, for speaking to us. It really has been a pleasure. That is Carlos Gonzalez Sancho, policy analyst from the OECD's Early Childhood Education and Care Team. If you want to find out more about his work and the rest of the team, then do check out the OECD report, Empowering Young Children in the Digital Age. It's packed full of helpful information. Carlos, thanks again for your time. Thank you very much and thank you to our listeners. To those listening, thanks for joining us and please do join us again for another episode of Top Class soon. All the best.